The wait is over. Is over. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, everyone, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. Uh, we are set tonight uh, to be talking more world-class championship wrestling. I'm excited about that. Uh, last week, uh, Chris and I broke down uh, some of the some some really really cool things. Our uh, best three moments that happened in world-class championship wrestling, and uh, we talked about that last week. So if you missed that show, make sure you go back and um, and download it, listen to it on our podcast. Um, but uh, this week. Uh, we are going to be talking more in-depth world-class championship wrestling. And before I can get to that, I have got to bring on my co-hosts. I'm talking about Chris Plano and Jeff Patton. Guys, what is going on? Well, hey, Tony, thank you for having me back. And uh, Jeff, welcome back as well. And um, I love we, we scratched the surface last week with world-class championship wrestling and we're going to take even a little more deeper dive tonight. Yeah, I'm excited about yeah, it. Hate, Je- yeah, Jeff, what's up? Yeah, hate I missed it. Yeah, yeah, hate I missed last week, but uh, glad to be back this week and uh, looking forward to tonight's episode of the Binge Buster Show. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm definitely excited about uh, about world class championship wrestling. I think a, a lot of people, um, especially the younger generation, uh, they really missed out uh, on uh world-class championship wrestling and uh all of the great angles that came from there um basically world-class championship wrestling was a promotion that was basically built around the uh, von eric brothers um it seems like every (laughs) it seemed like every wrestling character heel or or, you know uh, that came through world-class uh started out as friends but ended up turning on the von erics and went into a, a feud but we all know that the best feud that ever came out of, of world class was definitely the Freebird Von Erich feud, and we'll be getting to that later on in um, in our season of um, of world or, or series uh, of world class championship wrestling. Uh, guys, before we get into the podcast, uh, here we are, um, the second uh, podcast in twenty twenty one. Not a whole lot's changed. We're still wearing our masks. We're still social distancing, and we're still fighting covid uh among other things uh chris uh what what is the update this week on the coronavirus in north carolina well we did hear from our uh, our governor roy cooper and dr mandy cohen this week and uh hey we're still stuck in this phase three it, it, it we're going to be i think stuck in this for several more weeks and who knows maybe even possibly months to come uh we're a little slow getting the vaccine distributed out and cases are rising. Gosh, I think we're around 15% positivity right now. And it seems like the positive case rate goes up as well every day, the number of positive cases. And uh, um, it's kind of hunker down time and, and they're trying to do a lot of things here at once. But uh, God, we got to get through this one way or another. It seems like it's all negative news and we, we got to try to get something positive out of this as we go forward. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I've uh I've dodged the bullet several times 
Uh, I've uh, had several coworkers that have came down with COVID, um, but knock on wood, uh, thank goodness I wash my hands, I wear my mask, and I stay as far away from people as I can uh, to keep from getting that. Um, but one thing I am excited about, Jeff, and uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet about this, but um, the NAWA is actually going to be able to have a live wrestling event on uh, January the, uh, I believe it's January the 30th. Yes, January the 30th, and uh, it's going to be held in Lincolnton, North Carolina. Jeff, it's, it's their annual um, bunkhouse stampede. Uh, are you going to be able to, to be at that show? Unfortunately, no. I have to work. Don't, oh. don't get a lot of time off right now. I'm uh, shorthanded at work. Uh, we have uh, two workers out. One I don't think will come back, so I'm going to put a lot of uh, hours. And, uh, yeah, the weekends are uh, never get a weekend off anymore. So oh, that's, that's too bad. I was hoping to. Sadly, that's the way it is. Yeah, that's the way it is in the grocery business. Yeah. Man, we all got to admit one thing, man. The world is going crazy right now. There ain't no doubt about it. I'm telling you, you know, uh, I try not to get too political on the podcast because I don't want to – I don't want to say the wrong thing, and I don't want to, you know, uh, divide my listeners. But you're right, Jeff. I mean, uh, what took place last week at the Capitol was totally insane. Um you know, never in my wildest dreams I ever think I would uh, turn on the news and see people storming through uh, the the Capitol building, uh, and much less uh, people getting shot. And uh, so there was a lot going on last week, and hopefully here in the next uh, week or so, when we um, have our inauguration of our new president, uh, hopefully you know that will go uh, rather smoothly. Uh, probably not as smooth as it went four years ago, but uh, I think it will be, uh, hopefully, um, you know, it won't get too crazy. Yeah, hopefully so. I think everyone's wishing for the best here. And, uh, guys, it's like every day it's something on, on, on the news. And uh, it's like, what's coming at us next here? It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it is crazy times. They're definitely in some uh, unprecedented uh, uh, territories and in, in, in several areas. Yeah, well, uh, right now, let's get into something a little more positive. Let's get into the podcast of doing uh, world-class championship wrestling, uh, which came, it came from Dallas, Texas. Uh, probably the hottest time for world-class championship wrestling was from 1981 to 1985 uh and on our series this month we're going to be touching base on a lot of stuff about world-class championship wrestling that you may or may not know and this week is going to be exciting as we are each of us have picked um six wrestlers three that came from world-class championship wrestling that became tremendous stars in were in professional wrestling um, and then we're going to pick three guys that were big stars and world class, but that's the only place they were big stars. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Chris and Jeff's answers. Uh, so without any further ado, let's get right into the show. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you this week. Three big okay. stars. Uh, right now, we'll, we'll go back and forth. You, you'll, you'll do yours, and then we'll go to Jeff and me, and then we'll just keep uh, going around until we do our three, and then we'll get into the other three that 
uh, should have been big stars. So, Chris, starting with you, what is the one guy that came from world class that became a tremendous uh, star in the wrestling business? Boy, I, I mean, I, I, I scurried over the list. Um, the, the one that sticks out out to me, and and, and, and there's numerous that we're going to have here across the board. I'm going to go with the Dingo Warrior. That was my. That yeah. Was what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, he, it was just an explosion. I mean, he had the he had the look in world class, uh, and and and. I think Vince McMahon saw the potential of the Dingo Warrior and and and, and took it to a, to a level at a time when even Hulk Hogan was on top in, in the World Wrestling Federation as well. So that's that that is a good one because I didn't even think of that one myself. Uh, and Jeff, I heard you laughing in the background, so that was one of yours as well. I see. That was my number one pick right there, man. I mean, because he went from, I mean, he didn't do very much in world class. Mm-mm. I mean, and he wasn't there, I don't think, very long. No. Uh, and was this before he was the Blade Runners with Sting, or was it after? This was, I, I'm the, yeah, th- this was actually after. He, he had started the Blade Runners okay. with, with Sting, and then he mm-hmm. uh, he left there and went to Texas as, and became the Dingo Warrior. Um, and then he went to WWE and the story that I heard about how he got his name was when he came to WWE, Vince McMahon, uh, had a meeting with him and he told him, he told Vince McMahon, he said, well, I'm the, in Texas, I've been known as a dingo warrior. And Vince kind of shook his head like, what the hell is a dingo for one? Uh, but then, but then he said, I like the warrior gimmick, but we got to think of something different. So Vince, so the story I heard, Vince sat there and said, "Okay, so we got the Road Warriors, we got the modern day warrior. You are the ultimate warrior, and that's pretty much how the gimmick uh, became. And uh, incidentally, uh, a lot of fans may not know this, and Jeff, I know you and Chris do, and you're gonna laugh when I when I say this, but the thing about the Ultimate Warrior was when he went to to uh, WWE." Uh, when you got up there, Vince gave him the name, the ultimate warrior. Now everyone knows when you work for Vince and he gives you the gimmick, you, you might leave, but the gimmick's going to stay with him and ain't going anywhere except until the ultimate warrior came. And then he, uh, went to Vince and said, Hey, I, uh, I think that that he was going to leave. And he told Vince that he was taking the ultimate warrior name with him. And Vince says, no, that's owned by Titan, uh, sports. So the Ultimate Warrior um, went and had his name legally changed to the Warrior and uh, kept the name. His first name was The, his last name was Warrior. Uh, and that's a true story. Um, and when I first heard that, I was like, what? But then as I got a little older and started learning more about the wrestling business, I understood he, he was trying to protect his gimmick that he had, you know. Yeah, Vince was uh, notorious for that. Uh, copywriting gimmicks and not, not allowing you to uh, uh, take it away uh, if you left his company. So, yeah. But yeah, that, mm-hmm. that was a good choice, Chris. Like I said, that was going to be my number yeah. one choice. I didn't mean to steal it from you. <laughs> and, and, and I have a feeling if Jeff was on the show last week amongst the nine 
most important moments or matches in world-class championship wrestling history, I think we would have stole one or two oh, <laughs> yeah, for along sure. the way as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe so for sure. Well, my, um, I guess, you know, my, another one I would say, I mean, I know he was a big star in world class, but I think he ended up being a big star when he went to WWE, uh, would be the modern day warrior, uh, Kerry Von Erich when he left and went to the WWE and, uh, you know, became the Texas tornado, Kerry, uh, I don't know if they, they still called him Kerry Von Erich, did they not? But he was known also mm-hmm. as the Texas Tornado, and of course he was the Intercontinental Champion. So um, definitely a step up from world class. Yeah, uh, he took the step up to world class, but unfortunately, um, I, I think during that time is when he was battling his um, his demons, and uh, somewhere around while he was in WWE is is when they got the best of him and. Uh, you know, he had the drug charges and all the other things that came against him. And unfortunately, uh, thus, uh, you know, he's no longer with us. And uh, I have to I have to agree with you, Jeff. Kerry uh, Von Erich was a, was a big star. Um, I think if he had left world class uh, a lot sooner, I think he would have been a much bigger star than he was. Not saying he wasn't a big star. He was. But I think he would have been, you know, up there. Because one of the things I remember uh, when he went to WWF, um, it seemed to me like Kerry uh, was a big star in world class. But when he got up to WWE, it's like he was um, he wasn't the big star. He was like second fiddle to Hogan and and uh, you know some of the other ones, uh, the Ultimate Warrior. But um, but but Kerry had the body. I mean, I mean, I mean, I remember watching World Class and he'd take off his robe and the girls would lose their mind. Um, Kerry was definitely a uh, a a a great uh, a great performer. I just think he had a lot of demons that um, that got the best of him. Well, mine, uh, my, one of mine of the stars that came from world class. Uh, he started out with a hood, and his his mm-hmm. gimmick there was Texas Red, but he later became the Undertaker. And when he first came to WWF and I saw that gimmick and I said, are you kidding me? This is the dumbest gimmick I ever seen in my entire life. But then the more I watched it, the more it grew on me. And then the more I was like, wow. And I think that right now he holds the record of like being the longest, um, having the longest gimmick and the longest stay in the WWE, because what, what, he was there, what, 30 years, 35 years, something like that? Oh, yeah, I would say so, yeah. And the thing about The Undertaker was he was able to, he had that gimmick, but he was able to always keep changing it up and change, and keeping it fresh. And I think that's one of the reasons why he had such a long stay, um, you know, in the company. You know, a lot of guys left, came back, left, came back, but he stayed the whole entire time. He was kind of like Sting was in WCW. He was the WWE version of Sting, basically. Uh, although it was a different type of gimmick, but same, same, uh, same scenario. Sting was with WCW forever, and so was the Undertaker. All right, Chris, back to you. What What is your next choice of uh, someone who became a big star after leaving World Class? Uh, well, I, I'm going to go a little off the grid here with y'all. Um, you know, I'm not going to say wrestlers per se, but a couple of guys that came out of world class that I really didn't have any 
exposure to prior to world-class, but went on to be great managers. One of them referring to the undertaker had to be Percy Pringle as a manager in world-class championship wrestling and even Jim Cornette. Oh yeah. To an extent that was my first exposure to, to both of them in professional wrestling. Mine too, Chris. Living up in the Northeast at that time. Mm-hmm. And as managers, <laughs> they do very well for themselves in, in NWA, WWF, and, 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 you know, throughout their careers. And, you know, I think world-class played a role, you know, in their careers as, as managers. One of the things that I was reading about this that incidentally is, uh, it, it tripped me out was the fact that uh, Percy Pringle went to WWE and became uh, Paul Bearer, which which became mm-hmm. The Undertaker's manager. But whenever The Undertaker was in world class as Texas Red, Percy Pringle was his manager there. He was the first, uh, his first appearance, mm-hmm. he wrestled Bruiser Brody, and they just sent Percy Pringle down to ringside to be with, uh, with Texas Red. Uh, and it worked, and they kind of clicked together, and they become friends. And when they went to WWF and they started creating this Undertaker gimmick, um, they uh, originally had him with the with the Million Dollar Man, and it just wasn't getting it wasn't getting a reaction that they thought it was it would get. But once they brought in Percy Pringle, he dyed his hair black and started talking. Of course, he always had a high pitched voice, but started doing the whole you know in, you know Paul Bear gimmick. Uh, it really took off, and the crazy thing was. Percy Pringle really does have a degree in, 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 you know, working in the funeral home and, and taking care of bodies. So uh, he, he was a perfect fit for that. Yeah, I heard that story as well, Tony. Uh, like he was an me. actual, um, yeah, he was an actual licensed, um, what do you call them? Uh, people that work in the funeral home. Embalmer, right? Thought, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a licensed uh, mortician. Embalmer, mortician. So, yeah. mortician. Mortician. There we go. Yeah. That that was the word I was trying yeah. to think. Of. I couldn't think of it either there for a second. But uh, yeah, uh, amazing time how how things just kind of work together. All right, Jeff, uh, off to you. What what is your second choice? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a tag team. Uh, Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton, the Fantastics. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, they uh, they definitely went yeah. on to become. Uh, big stars, um, and, and it was, and they, they were like uh, the first to me when I saw them in world class. They were like, um, I was like, wow, because I actually saw the Fantastics before I saw the Rock and Roll Express, uh, and when I saw the Fantastics come out and the girls were hugging them and stuff, I was like a ten year old kid, and I was like, man, that that don't look like a bad gig right there. You come down to ringside, you strut, girls. <laughs> girls will hug on you and stuff and you know um uh when, when jeff when i got into wrestling um i ripped off the first thing i'd done when i started wrestling was i ripped off the fantastic strut i would do that in the ring and then of course you and i started incorporating it into our tag match and everything but but then incidentally uh the fantastics actually stole it from jackie fargo is originally the, the the fargo strut so um you know and that's one of the things I, that I miss about wrestling now. I, nobody does that anymore. Nobody does a strut. Nobody's, you know, seems real cocky. I mean, they're cocky, but not like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing of look, to me, 
probably, you know, we could argue greatest tag team of all time. You could say Rock and Roll Express as far as a team, but I think I think the Fantastics were better in ring performers than the Rock and Roll Express. And I'm not knocking, you know, Ricky and Robert. I'm just saying, to me, I thought that the Fantastics overall were better performers uh, than the Rock and Roll Express. And if they would have teamed longer, um, you know, and stayed in a territory for a long period of time, who knows, they could have been as, uh, you know, umpteen-time world tag team champions like the Rock and Roll Express were. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, let's see, mine, my, my second one, of course, uh, is definitely, without a doubt, the most popular wrestler in the history of wrestling. I'm talking about none other than stunning Steve Austin. Uh, he came from, he came from world class and, uh, became the, uh, most selling gimmick wrestler out there. Uh, you know, a lot of fans don't know this or may not know this or you may, but, uh, in the eighties, uh, no one sold more merchandise than Hulk Hogan, nobody. Um, but until stone cold, Steve Austin came and he put out that Austin three sixteen says, I just whipped your ass t-shirt and those things surpassed. Uh, all the sales of Hulk Hogan, uh, which which is really amazing uh, if you stop and think about it, because uh, Hogan was really over in the eighties. Man, they were selling everything Hogan. Uh, so for Steve Austin to put out a T-shirt to outdo that, that's 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 that that that's saying a lot. So Chris, we're back. Absolutely, to, hands down. We're back Go to ahead. you on your last one. Man. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go with Michael Hayes and oh, good the one. formation. I know the Freebirds started out in the Mid-South, but my first TV exposure to the fabulous Freebirds were in world-class championship wrestling. Mine too. And, you know, when, you know, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, they bring on Buddy Roberts, the feud, but the Freebirds and their work in world-class really catapulted them and I even think Michael Hayes, both as an individual wrestler as well, through, through into the NWA, and then, you know, his run in, in the WWF as well. So, I, I mean, and I, I, they had a concept that worked in world-class and, and a gimmick amongst each other that just drove people in the South crazy, and especially in the state of Texas with, you know, boys coming over from Georgia to whip up on the Von Erichs. It was the perfect formula at that time you know, in, in the eighties. Yeah. And, uh, I was always a big Michael Hayes, Mark. I even stole the Michael Hayes strut too. I used to do the strut, do the moonwalk. And me and Jeff used to, uh, when Jeff and I would do a tag, uh, I don't know if Jeff remembers this. I'm sure he does, but cause I did it almost in every match, but we'd get out there and Jeff would, uh, start out doing the fantastic strut. We'd do something on, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd do something to, to the guys that we're wrestling against. Jeff would do something and he would do the strut and then he'd come and tag me in. Then I would get in and I would, uh, do the Michael Hay strut. And then I would start moonwalking. And I'd trip on my feet and fall down. <laughs> Remember that Jeff? <laughs> and the crowd would, just, oh, yeah. the crowd would love it, man. They would just bust out laughing and I'd be like, Hey, I, I didn't, I didn't fall. The guy tripped me and the guy be on the other side of the ring, you know, and we just, we just milk it. And the crowd be like, you know, kick his butt. You know, they get so mad, but it was so funny. But, um, but man, the Freebirds were so over. 
uh man growing up as a kid i, I wanted to be michael hayes because i was like that is the coolest freaking heel i've ever seen and when i was a little kid watching it you know i, I didn't like the bad guys but i liked michael hayes because <laughs> I mean, he just he just came out there and he had that he had that aura about him and he could talk man he could talk it like crazy um and then look at him today now he's like the the main um the main writer producer uh in wwe i mean he's he's up there so um so michael hayes i, I like that and uh and of course we, we you know a lot of times we the I don't, I don't you know a lot of teams in wrestling get a lot of credit for things but i don't think any other team or any other person in wrestling can get as much credit as michael hayes because they came up with the freebird rule which means if a lot of people don't know this but say you you're in a group and there's three of you, and you become the world you you become the tag team champions. Well, the freebird rule is it didn't matter what what two of the three teamed up they were they were able to defend the belts because they were known as the freebirds. It didn't matter if it was two of them or if it was Michael and Buddy or Buddy and Mike Buddy and and uh, Michael or Terry and Michael or Terry and Buddy. It it didn't matter. Um, so so that that was a cool little gimmick to get some heat. Um, but they, but the most amazing thing is Michael Hayes is is accredited for being the first wrestler to uh, come to the ring. The music, uh, and definitely, I would think the first one to to have his own song that he sang. You know, and Bastard USA, and we talked about this on other podcasts. But definitely, probably my number one or number two uh, favorite wrestling theme song ever. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I just love the free birds. I love the whole gimmick. Loved. I mean, when they were just walking the aisle, and Michael Hayes would always, you know, lead the trio down, bopping his head and whatever he was doing, and that was part of the. That was just the gimmick, and it worked. And and the microphone skills and everything else, it it all worked, no matter what angles they were up against in the ring. And um, they were the they were the ones you love to hate. And, and and it worked. And one of the cool things about the Freebirds during this time, if you guys haven't listened to it yet, go back. When Michael Hayes was on Steve Austin's podcast, he was telling a story about when he when they were working in world class and they were in Texas and he said, you know, back then I was wearing my, you know, Jack Daniels T shirt and my leather jacket and I had really long blonde hair and we we're in Texas and he talks about how they were went, went into a bar him and Terry and Michael loved the Pac-Man game. You know, now this is really taking it back today. I know most of you kids listening probably don't know what Pac-Man is, but uh, the Pac-Man machine, Michael Hayes loved it. So he was in this bar playing Pac-Man and he said, this old biker dude walks up to him and says, uh, uh, so, so what gang are you in? And Michael's like, what? He says, what biker gang are you in? Michael's like, oh, I'm not no biker. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just here with my buddies. And he said the guy smacked him on the back when he first came up, smacked him on the back really hard. And he thought he first he thought it was Terry. And he said, wait a minute, that was a little stiff. So he says he turns around and sees this, this biker guy. He's like, so, so what? What biker gang are you in? And Michael's like, oh, I'm not in a biker gang. Well, you must be in something. And and so. Um, so anyway, he said they, they get into a little scuffle and Terry comes over and decks the guy and they get into a fight 
and in the bar and then michael and buddy go running to the back of the bar thinking they're gonna go out the back door and there wasn't no back door so now they realize they're gonna have to fight their way back through the bar out to get outside to get away he said they they start beating you know they come back out and they get into it with this guy again and they start beating the guy up and and says that that um that terry grabs the guy's leg and pulls the guy's leg off because the guy the guy only had one leg and so they so terry pulls the guy's leg off and throws at him and they run out of the bar and he said they're running and next thing michael hayes says he hears boom 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 three shots go off and he says uh terry starts laughing and he says terry why the hell are you laughing for and terry says uh because he missed michael <laughs> And and to hear Michael Hayes tell the story, I don't tell as good as him, but to hear Michael tell the story, dude, when I, when he told me that, when I heard him saying that I was in the floor, cause like, as he's given the description of the story, I could literally see the free birds fighting in this bar, running outside. And I could see Terry Gordy, you know, the way Terry was, he was so cool and laid back and calm and, but he was also a badass too. But, uh, I mean, it was just a funny story. So uh, now, Chris, uh, are have it, uh, is is there one more uh, that, that you have, or is that, or was that, or was that your your final three? Was that my? That was my. I think that was my three. I mean, you know, I did have a couple. I had one other. I had one other written down. Um, well, actually, I had two, but more just mentions. I had Kamala written down. Yep. Um, and, and then also I had Chris Adams. Oh yeah, Chris um, Adams. Uh, I loved him. Yeah, written down as well. More on the, more towards the bottom of my list, but obviously I had Dingo Warrior up, up top, followed by by the others. Yeah, very very good choice, Jeff. What what is your last one? I would have to say Jimmy Garvin. Oh, good one. Um, yeah, um, you know when he went to Crockett, uh, he became a became a pretty big star and then of course when you know Crockett sold out he started teaming with Michael Hayes and they were world tag team champions he became a bigger star so um yeah that would be my third choice oh that's a that, that's definitely a good one I, I always like Jimmy Garvin too I like that gimmick the um with the with the uh sequins and the and the tuxedo jackets with sharp dressed man playing and precious Spraying the uh, the air freshener. One that one of the my, my biggest memories of Jimmy Garvin when he came to to uh, Crockett Promotions. Uh, I was in Greensboro the first time he came in, and uh, he's out there now. This is back in this is 1986 when he came to to Crockett Promotions. But back then they allowed smoking in the arena in the Greensboro Coliseum. People could you know walk around and smoke. Um, but I remember being in the Greensboro Coliseum and. That he comes to the ring, he's wearing like this blue sequined uh, tuxedo jacket, and he says to, um, you know, he, he he's over there, and and Tom Miller announces him, and Precious walks over, and she, you know, she's t- she's talking to Tom Miller, and Tom Miller says, fans, um, before uh, Jimmy Garvin's opponent comes out, which end up being Wahoo, but he says. Uh, before we, I introduced Jimmy Garvin's opponent, uh, Precious has asked me and told me that she just finished shampooing Jimmy Garvin's hair and she'd appreciate if no one smoked during his match. 
And dude, I, I promise you, every person in there, including kids, lit up cigarettes and started smoking. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I was like, oh my god! And like the arena filled up with smoke. It was, it was just great. I mean, it was perfect time. I mean, perfect heat. And uh, and of course, when once the smoke started coming towards the ring, Jimmy's fussing at the people, and man, they, they're ready to kill him. And I was like. That's pretty amazing. And at the time, I didn't get it. But when I got older, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Very great uh, psychology. Well, my uh, third pick who should have, who, who became a big star was none other than the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. He came through world class as pretty much a, a, uh, a um, talent enhancement. Uh, never seen him win a match in, in world class, but he definitely went on to become one of the biggest stars in uh pro wrestling history um so um there you go fans that's that's jeff and my and chris's n- uh nine uh stars that came from world class that became big stars now we're gonna do a flip side of it uh three guys that were big stars in world class and that's about as far as they went uh so jeff i'm gonna start with you on this one okay let's see um how about Iceman King Parsons? That's a good one. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, he was a huge star, but that was it. I mean, after World Class shut down, you never did see him anywhere else. So that would be my number one pick for uh, biggest star in World Class that didn't go anywhere else. Yep. I like that. Chris, what is yours? Well, Jeff scratched one of mine. Listen, <laughs> uh, I'll try to drop another one. You, you know, you know what, you know, Tony. Boy, you know, I, I brought this up last week, and 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 I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, you know, someone that had so much potential, and I think you probably know where I'm going with this from last week. And I don't think we knew his true potential, and I think he was definitely going places in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm is Gino Hernandez and yep. the untimely death of Gino Hernandez. Um, he was poised to do big things even way beyond world-class championship wrestling. I, I will never, ever know. Um, as I said, that was, I think, one of the uh, a moment, one of my three or four from last week that I, I threw in there, I think, at the very end. Yeah, and and, I, and incidentally, Gino was, was actually one of mine that I picked that, that would have been a big star. Um, had he not, uh, you know, succumbed to his demons as well. Um, Gino, man, Gino, he, you know, looking back at some stuff on world class, when he came out there, he demanded people's attention. But the thing about him, he, he, he was a good looking dude. He had, he could talk, he had the looks, he, he had the complete package. Uh, and when they put him and Chris Adams together, man, that, that was without a doubt one of my favorite teams from world class championship wrestling um but yeah i like that gino is definitely uh that's that's a great pick uh mine is uh someone who uh, should have went uh elsewhere because he had a great gimmick he had a great body uh and he definitely could have been a big star i think in wcw nwa or wwe uh i'm talking about the missing link Yep, that was that's a good choice. Yeah. 
Would you? I had a great. I actually loved the missing link. It was a great gimmick to see him in the ring every week. It was just yeah. like you know, maniac in there with the big hair, green, and like, but, fake, and yeah. it, it, it worked for it world did. class. And and it was like, what happened after that? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I mean that was a great gimmick. He came out there and one and like you like you said, Jeff. He had uh, Chris. He had the green face paint. And what was cool was whenever he would headbutt guys, the paint would come off and stick to the stick to their chest. So as a fan, you're watching like, oh my god, he really did hit him, you know. So it, it made you sit there and second guess about wrestling being real or fake. Um, and I liked how he had those those real furry boots, you know, the the fur around his boots, and and his hair was like he had that one sprig of hair in the front, and this big bush in the back, and he would grab the hold of that and hold it back like in a ponytail and then jump off the second rope with a flying headbutt. Um, and uh, I liked him as Link. And then uh, he started uh, – they brought him in. It was funny. He, when I first saw him, he was in Devastation Incorporated with Skandar Akbar. Um, and then he left, and then he came back as a baby face, and he was uh, – seems like he was a, he was a special um, – I, I don't remember who the who the who she was feuding with, but Sunshine was feuding with somebody, and she said, "I've got a mystery man, and he's going to be here next week." And they brought back the missing link, and he came to the ring to Quiet Riot's Metal Health Bang Your Head, and that's what made me want. And that and when I heard, when I saw that gimmick of him and him coming to the ring to bang your head, I'm like, that is a cool ass song. I got to find that song. And then I finally see uh, the movie Footloose. And they, of course, they play uh, metal health in that. And I'm like, I gotta get this. I gotta get this tape, man. This is because back then it was tapes, guys. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, streamed. It was. Uh, it wasn't a CD. It was a cassette tape. So I said, I gotta get this tape. And I remember getting the Quiet Riot tape. And from there, I've kind of become a metalhead. So thanks to wrestling, I've got introduced to Quiet Riot and Motley Crue. So I, <laughs> I, 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 I gotta, I gotta thank wrestling for something. You know, not, not, not just a. Uh, a few divorces and, <laughs> and some broken bones that uh, that I have sustained of my years of being in pro wrestling. But um, anyway, uh, we, 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 enough enough of that. I don't want to give out the terrific Tony gimmick right now. But um, uh, Jeff, back to you. Uh, what, what's another uh, guy that uh, should have been a big star that wasn't? Uh, I'm going to go with a tag team. Uh, they were big stars, and they were brother tag team. They were big stars in world class, but didn't really go anywhere else after the you know the, the company went out of business. The Simpsons, uh, Steve and Sean Simpson. Oh, yeah. They I were, remember them. Yeah, they were really over. Yeah. Yep, they sure were. I remember them. Chris, do uh, you you remember the Simpson brothers? They were from South uh, Africa. I do South not Africa. remember. Wow, I'm just going to joggle my memory here. <laughs> um, no. Uh not off the top of my head. Yeah, they I, were be. they were uh, from South Africa. They had these really long curly hair. Their hair looked like Sebastian Box, but curly. Um, and <laughs> and they uh, wore bandanas all around their boots and one around their arm. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, they they were big baby faces. But they uh, and and they were friends of the Von Erichs. And incidentally, they never turned on the Von Erichs. A lot of people did, but they didn't. Uh, but yeah, Jeff, that's, that's a good choice. I like them. Uh, Chris, what is yours? Uh, you know, I got another one. I got one here who actually teamed pretty often a little bit with Iceman Parsons, who Jeff alluded to a few minutes ago. I'm going to go with Brian Adias. Oh, yeah. Who 
I did see a lot in world class when I was watching over over several years, but looking at his career, he didn't do much after world class. He did some wrestling out west, Pacific Northwest, but after that, it kind of just faded away. But I, I do remember his name on television you know, yep. each and every week, and you know, it kind of resonates with me, you know, from from watching the weekly telecast back in the day. Now, the first time I saw Brian Adidas, he was in Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and then he in like '84, and then he left there and went to World Class. He's a babyface in Mid Atlantic, and then he went to uh, World Class and came in as uh, a. Cl- I think the gimmick they used, he was a classmate of Kevin Von Erich, uh, and mm-hmm. then he ended up turning on Kevin Von Erich and uh, joining, I think, Skandar Akbar or Sir Oliver Humperdinck. One of the two, but uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I like Brian Adidas. He, he had a cool gimmick and he had a cool look. And uh, his finisher was the airplane spin, which is something you don't yes, see. Yes, it was. Often. You don't see it that much any day in today's wrestling. You don't you don't see that move too often today. Nope. Uh, now, one of mine, uh, a guy that was in world class, that was a big star and should have went somewhere else. Uh, this was actually my favorite of the brothers, uh, Kevin Von Erich. That was my. <laughs> that was going to be one of my choice. <laughs> uh, to me, yeah, Tony, real quick. Out of all the Von Erichs, I thought he had was the best performer. Oh yeah, without a well, doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah hands down. Uh, Kev uh, Kerry may have had the body, uh, the look, um, David. Uh, I, David, David was a big star, but he just, to me, he didn't have that charisma, uh, and that believable, the, the, the believing, but I can't talk the believingness that Kevin Von Erich had. Um, but Kevin was so intense, man. And when you, if you go back and watch some Kevin Von Erich matches, when Kevin Von Erich hit somebody, those punches wasn't pulled. Those punches were right in there and those kicks were right in there. Kevin was very, very stiff and he and he wanted everybody to believe everything he done. Um, but what tripped me out about Kevin was how he wrestled barefoot. There is no way in this world I would get in the ring with anybody barefoot. <laughs> There's no way. No. Mm-hmm. And one of the things now that he yeah, Chris. No, I, I, I mean Kevin, Kevin and Carrie, all the Von Erichs were over. It was almost like Carrie and Kevin were, were over in their own ways. Um, right. Kerry had the body. There's no doubt about it, but Kevin had something in him that everyone was behind him. And yeah, whether it was his, his, his wrestling style in the ring, whatever it was, I just always felt they had their own fans in their, in their own way, whether they were tagging or especially when they were in singles competition. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you something that really blows my mind. If you go back in the 80s and you look at Fritz Von Erich and you go now and you watch interviews of Kevin Von Erich right now, he looks so much like his dad. It's crazy. Just he has more hair. But uh, and speaking of hair, I saw an interview one time with Kevin Von Erich and he was talking and he said in the 80s, he never went to a barber. He never went to a beauty salon to get his hair done. He he cut his hair himself, and he said I would just take scissors and I would just cut it across, 
He said, a lot of people probably thought I had to, you know, put a bowl on my head and cut around it. He said, but I would just trim my bangs and trim it off my ears. Uh, but he always liked, liked to, you know, cut his own hair and, and have that natural, you know, uh, cowboy type look. Um, and, uh, and I, and I thought that, you know, I thought that look worked for him. Um, and I used to like how he'd come to the ring and barefoot and he would get up on the, the middle rope and, and like split and stretch out. And I was like, man, um, but, but he could go, man. Kevin Von Erich was, was a, you know, I, I, I hate that we never got a chance to see him perform on a different platform besides world-class championship wrestling. But um i think one of the other reasons why he never went anywhere else was because he behind the scenes he was also one of the bookers so uh you know he uh he looked at world class as his dad's business and his business so that's probably another reason why we never saw him go anywhere else but uh i i definitely wish that 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 we definitely you know could have saw that yeah absolutely he had the skill set I mean, there's no doubt he had the skill set. I think at that time, it was just, you know, it was just an involvement with world class and everything else. It was, it just didn't fit into another promotion much beyond that. And, um, but you think it would, but it, it just, I don't know. It, strange things happen in the wrestling business. Yeah, that's for Even sure. That. That's for sure. Uh, I guess now, Jeff, we're back to you with your, uh, with your last guy that, uh, didn't make it big, but was huge and world class. You know, this guy was one of my favorite world class wrestlers, and I'm going to try to do my best impression. Okay, a light heavyweight champion of the whole wide world, flamboyant Eric Embry. Eric Embry, yes, <laughs> I liked him too. He was a. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I I met him uh, last year uh, in um, at WrestleCade. And, uh, he really looks a lot like he did back then, um, and talked the same way. Um, but yeah, uh, Eric Embry was, uh, he was definitely a big star in world class and that was about as far as he went. Um, but, but I, I did, I did enjoy his work. He was, uh, and, and, and he had that beautiful world-class light heavyweight belt, which, uh, I actually own, uh, a replica of it now. And uh, it was a beautiful belt. I, I loved the way it was designed. It was actually designed very similar to the Andre the Giant uh, WWF belt that was made that he never wore. But uh, uh, super nice belt, but I think it was kind of big to be a, a light heavyweight belt. But uh, it's still a great design, and, and uh, I enjoy it. Um, Chris, now off to you. What is your guy that uh, should have made, been a big star but st- was only a big star in world class? I mean, I, I think I'm going to, and I don't think we mentioned him yet. I, I don't think we have. And, and I've had to do some scratching out and some X's and O's on this side of the touch sheet here since we've it's kind of scrambling a little bit. But um, I don't know if we've touched much about David Von Erich um, and the potential of, of what could have been, you, you know, as well, you know, with his feuds and, and where his career possibly could have gone beyond world-class to his untimely death. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about world-class of, 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 of wrestlers that have died, 
you know, we talked about Gino Hernandez a little bit ago. I, I mean, it makes you just scratch your head a little bit. You know, could they have been bigger stars outside of world class? I know David did have a couple little runs in some other promotions prior to world class, but majority of his career was in Texas. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, he definitely could have, could have been a big star. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I, a lot of these guys, man, I, I wish we could go back in time and be able to put them out there and, um, and just see how, how big a star that they would have be. David Von Erich was, uh, from what I've heard other people talk, uh, they actually had him on uh track to dethrone Ric Flair. That's, that's how popular David was. Um, by the time I started watching world class, David had just died. So I never really saw, but like maybe one match with David Von Erich. Um, but even there I could see that, you know, he was definitely, um, very talented, but he was also a lot taller than the, than the rest of the Von Erichs. Um, definitely a big Texan, uh, and, uh, you know, a, a great performer for sure. And, uh, he 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 done a pretty good promo too, a very uh very believable, uh a lot like his brother Kevin and Kerry, um man. But I'm I'm friends with I I got this friend and she grew up in Texas and she actually actually went to high school with the Von Ericks and she told me that man she said Tony those those guys were like rock stars. She said right out of high school man they were just you know blowing the place up and everywhere they went the girls lost their mind. Absolutely, I believe it one hundred percent, and that was that was part of the charisma of, of being who they were in the ring, out of the ring. It kind of came with the territory, you know. And mm-hmm. hey, it, 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 they're living the life, right? They, yeah, they were like they were like rock stars, man, for sure. They were. Now my they last were, and they were that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I was I was going to no, say go uh, my last pick. Uh, I'm I'm going to go a little different route because uh, a couple of mine that I had, you know, you guys chose. So I'm going to go with this one. Uh, it was a valet, uh, sunshine. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't thinking valets, but I'll tell you, you know, nothing against sunshine. World-class actually had several, you know, valets that they were, you know, marketing on television and, and that were successful within that group. But, you know, I remember very well. Well, you know, uh, just to touch base a couple minutes just on valets, I think the most popular valet that ever came out of world class, uh, besides Precious, would have been Missy Hyatt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Missy was, uh, you know, she now she had reasons for being popular. <laughs> we all know that. Uh but but probably you know like the first time I saw Missy Hyatt she was with uh, Hollywood John Tatum, but her most popular person that she ever was ever with was definitely Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. Uh, but uh, but uh, Missy was uh, <laughs> she was a different person that's for sure. She uh, uh, she was very sexual and she didn't and she didn't mind letting you know it. Um, but uh, I actually worked on a show one time with Missy Hyatt. And uh, I was uh, like, wow, Missy Hyatt's over there. 
But I don't know if that's Missy Hyatt because her lips are awful damn fat. <laughs> she just had, I guess she just had some, you know, had her lips puffed up or whatever. Uh, I was expecting her to look one way and she looked something totally different. And I was, just, I remember I kept staring at her like, is that really Missy Hyatt? Because damn sure don't look like it. I mean, her boobs look like it, but you know, but, um, but man, I'm telling you, she was, uh, she was over though. And one of the things about Missy Hyatt, I liked whenever Missy Hyatt um, and uh, who was it? God darn it! Um, there she was in a few in a feud over there in world class, but her and this, her and Sunshine, and they would get into it, man. And I'll never forget the time Missy Hyatt came out there and had that Gucci bag, and she hit hit Sunshine with the Gucci bag and knocked her out, and turned out it supposedly mm. had a brick in it. Uh, man, those girls would really tear the house down. Like they literally, you know, you talk about bra and panty match. Uh, the stuff they did on WWF was, was candy coated compared to the things that her, that, uh, that they were doing, uh, with their cat fights there in world class. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff back in world class with those two. Yeah, and and the and the cool thing, guys, since we've been on on this series of world class, I've been going back and watching some world class stuff, and I'm like, oh god, I forgot about this, and it, it, so it's great going back down memory lane. Uh, well, Chris and Jeff, do you guys have any uh, anything uh, you want to add to the show before we go off the air today? I mean, for me, this uh, this put me to the to the test <laughs> as far as coming up with. Uh, three stars, and it was really a challenge for me. The three that were stars that didn't do much beyond the world class. So it was definitely a, I had to spin the wheels a little bit, but it was a great time for professional wrestling. And and what a great number of years that they had a, a promotion in Texas that gave them TV exposure. And really, it was the TV exposure that they were receiving on a national level that really helped a lot of these individual careers go into other promotions and for them to be successful as a, as a springboard and, and Fritz von Eric behind it had a lot to obviously, you know, do it as, as well. Yeah, for sure. Jeff. Um, yeah, it was, uh, or they were on the, what was it, ESPN carried those guys back in mm-hmm. the eighties. I remember watching it all the time and loved it. Um, um, I just want to say and I even saw who was it? Somebody in a shoot interview said their ring was really stiff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, and I heard the sportatorium was pretty much a rat hole. But um, I've heard a lot of things. But yeah, uh, man, they packed it and always had a lively crowd and uh, uh, some really good talent came from uh, this little territory back in the eighties. So. Uh, Kudos to them, and uh, um, it was a great promotion in the 80s. Yeah, I always loved world class. Um, in the 80s, my, my two favorite territories was Jim Crockett Promotions and world class championship wrestling. Uh, it just seemed like that they uh, were both, uh, you know, their, their storylines were very believable and very real. Um, and next week's podcast, we're going to uh, touch base more on uh, what made world-class championship wrestling uh, stand out uh, as opposed to some of the other promotions and, and how world-class was way, way ahead of their time 
1985. So uh, we'll talk about that next week. Well, fans, for Chris and Jeff, I am Tony. We will see you next week on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.